So hi everyone and welcome back to the Alchemy of Life podcast. I'm Steffi and for those of you who are new here, I am your host. Thank you so much for all of your beautiful messages in regards to last week's episode with my wonderful husband, Will. In my opinion, it's a real gem of an episode. So if you haven't heard it, go check it out. Today's guest is Jasmine Hemsley, and she is a well-being expert, three times best-selling author and a beautiful mum. Jasmine believes in conscious, joyful living, taking a 360-degree approach to health, marrying Eastern wisdom and holistic philosophies with the latest developments in Western well-being. I was really lucky to get to meet Jasmine on a retreat she came to, and I just loved getting to soak up all of her endless knowledge on all things well-being. So Jasmine, as you know, it's a real pleasure for me to have you here and welcome to the podcast. Oh, you're always too kind, Steffi. I've always loved your work and I loved, I can't believe we only met on your retreat because, you know, I'm I'm not somebody that uses Instagram as much as I, I could, but you have popped up and I love your energy. I love your vibe. I, and I adored your classes. And still to this day, I keep thinking, what's that panda? What's that panda <laughs> move she told me that just flies over my Vata head? which just was unlocking all these parts of my hips that are just a bit cranky, especially now I've had a baby. So I think of you often when I try and reenact it. <laughs> reenact it. I love it. It's called the rolling panda and we can check it out later. <laughs> rolling panda. Oh, it's just delicious. For anyone who's lazy and doesn't like standing postures like me, rolling panda is amazing. <laughs> so Jasmine, have you always been interested in Eastern medicine and holistic philosophy? And where did this journey begin for you? So have I always been? Well, I am half Eastern. My mum's Filipino. My dad's English. I came from a mixed background. And, and I would say really my journey began probably in my late teens when you do become more conscious of yourself. You know, you are almost more fending for yourself. And I just didn't resonate with any of the ideas of health in the 80s and 90s, which then were fitness and diet. So remember, it was all the Jane Fonda era. And, you know, you'd wake up early in the morning and, you know, I think there was a famous line of if you can pinch an inch, you could you could you could lose more weight. It was that kind of idea of health and well-being and how many abs you had, etc. And I just... I was quite sporty when I was younger. I was a bit of a jack of all trades. So I was quite good at a lot of things, but I was also, I didn't have that much drive. And while I would love doing kind of high intensity things, I quickly recognized I couldn't keep it up. So the stamina wasn't there. And I later found out, you know, it's very much my body type. So over time, I was kind of drawn to, I guess, natural medicine or natural alternatives, just from little things that have picked up here and there. I just, I've always been interested in this other way of looking at life. I found it very motherly and calming and alternative and time tested. And I guess what I would set, call now mother nature, I found it very, very motherly nurturing. And as I began to start modeling in my late teens, I recognized, I guess, energy and my moods and how they would be affected by how much sleep and the foods I ate. And then bit by bit, my digestion as well. You know, I grew up in a family where I was drawn to, I love food. I love different flavors and cuisines and I love the history behind food. But I, you know, I grew up with a lot of stews 
British Jews, Filipino Jews, other Asian fusions that my mum and I would try. And so when I used to kind of start going out in the world and you start to just pick up a sandwich and pick up a packet of this and that, especially as more places opened up, eateries, fast food places, I really felt that difference in my body. And interestingly, in my early 20s, Nick and I had been to South Africa and I think I came back with a parasite and I, I had a, a reflux or acid indigestion for the first time and also constipation. And I could just feel, I felt so heavy in my body. I was taking Rennie a lot for the, for the acid reflux and it wasn't, it was relieving me, but I was actually getting the reflux more and more and more often until I went to see a doctor and they said, oh, I'll just write you a stronger prescription for, for, for the reflux. And I thought, what? I'm, I'm 23. This can't be happening. So I just kind of did more research. The internet came about. My mum told me about a, a, a website. I looked up about having a little bit of apple cider vinegar because I wasn't actually creating enough stomach acid. And I, in a few hours or at least 24, maximum 24 hours, my issues had gone. So I became so interested in that. At the same time, in my in millennium year, maybe that was uh, turn 20, I don't know what I don't know what my first taste of yoga was, but I signed up to do a little course. And I remember walking into that space in, oh gosh, where was it? It was Hackney. I was living in Hackney at the time. And it was just otherworldly. It was quiet. It was so soothing on my senses. You took off your shoes, you walked in. I just soaked it up. I loved this kind of completely different from the from, you know, the Hackney Road where it was situated. Totally different energy. And at the time I was also into like kickboxing and all this kind of like very outward and, and, you know, very staccato and, you know, grunt work. And this just gave me something else. And then I became more and more drawn to it as it appeared in gyms and it popped up everywhere. And I just liked this flow. So that was the, that was the yoga, which is obviously the sister science of Ayurveda. And then through teachers there, you get little snippets of other things that are to do with health. So although I initially came to food via health, you realize it's just a small part, you know, it's, there's, there's so many other levels to the body. There's so many other, other things to be taken care of. And, you know, we know health means comes from the word whole. So it's a 360 approach and Ayurveda has been the one that kind of keeps on coming up for me. It's very similar to traditional Chinese medicine and other Eastern philosophies, but it just has all roads have pointed to Ayurveda with my learnings. And I just love that, you know, now this whole well-being industry that we're seeing all these things from pranayama, supplements, circadian rhythm, intermittent fasting, enemas, meditation, juices, tonics, slow cooking, broths, all these things are Ayurveda. They're all just mm. pieces of information about how we can live as, you know, as close to the rhythms of nature as possible, which keeps us in our flow, which feels really, really good, which feeds our soul. Mm, so simple, isn't it? When you break it down. Yes. And so attractive in a world that, you know, as I grew up in, in the suburbs and I think just to be able to find this wisdom and, you know, for anyone around now, young people to be able to access it so easily, it's such a turn on, you know, it's, it's, you can have this fast paced, extremely, you know, a life full of technology, but you've also got access to the, all this, this beautiful nurturing, grounding knowledge that is inherent within us. And that just brings it out. And it's much needed for the balance of this other chaotic, modern, fast paced world we live in. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And Jasmine, you spoke there a little bit about how your journey began relatively young like for Mm. for many other people you know you were talking about this in your teens and then in your early 20s living in east london and being a model and so as you started to tune in with these ancient wisdoms and the simplicity of nature and truth how did that affect or not affect your friendship circles? Because a lot of our listeners might be at a stage in their life where they're feeling this big growth or change or being interested in other things and really connecting to themselves in a deeper way. Mm. And I often get feedback from people. It's like, I don't have, like, I don't have friends that are into this thing or a community that support me. I feel like, like the odd one out. Did you experience that or do you have any advice or insight to share? I think I experienced major, more major kind of jolts later. I think because I was always a slightly odd one out anyway. I think I was the the person that came from a background of home home cooked dinners and I wasn't really allowed crisps and and you know those kind of modern foods weren't really in my lunchbox. I was actually a bit embarrassed about my lunchbox when I was growing up. But later, I'd say in my early twenties there were some relationships that fell apart and a few clashes where suddenly I wanted something else as well as clubbing. And so interests pull people apart. And I think when you've got friends who you're really close to and you are pulled in another direction, it can really feel like you're cheating on, on your friendship. You know, people feel like they don't know you anymore or you prefer something else or you're going to do things without them. It wasn't major, I'd say. And interestingly, I found they've all come to it, this interest in their own way. You know, it's become quite on vogue to be interested in these things, to use this terminology, Mm. to talk about, you know, I wasn't, when I said earlier about noticing my energy and my mood, you know, I use that word energy very loosely, just being part of the vocabulary. When I use energy now, it's a really different understanding of that term that I have. So, yeah, I think the beauty of the internet connecting us is that we can dive into even if it's only virtually, little tribes that are speaking the language that resonates with you. And I think that's great. So I think you can find people that way and and make those friendships. And, you know, I I was the one that was dragging friends to dinners at lunch or 6 p.m., you know, (laughs) and it was a bit killjoy. And then my friends ended up having children and wanted to come at 6 p.m., you know. (laughs) So I, I found in this personal space of mind and well-being, as well as my professional side of well-being. You know, I went on later to cater for celebrities, which totally evolved of itself from my interests. I find if you plant the seed and just use the language, they eventually come to it on their own. So, you know, when I first started out, you know, you know, not eating gluten was like, oh, don't be rude ridiculous you know yeah, oh come yeah. on you know <laughs> oh you know gluten-free dairy-free oh you mean taste-free you know all that kind of stuff coming back at you and I felt you know and I, I, I took being ribs with a pinch of salt in my workspace when I was modeling and and I just kept on like you know not being afraid to say things but also being aware of not shoving it down people's throats and in time people kind of came to talk to me on the side and said you know jazz like you know, I've been feeling a bit funny lately or I'm not feeling yeah. so great. And and then they get into it. And then the next time you see them four years later, they're the ones that started it all, you know, it's Absolutely. From, it, it came from them. And, and actually, I do think it is that I think we, you know, there is a there is an energy and we all catch that little bug and we're all here to remind us each other and ourselves of, you know, 
I say I'm a well-being expert, but it's people like yourself, Steffi. It's people who maybe are not even anywhere near the yogi that you are. When I catch their quotes, their chat, their stories, I'm reminded, oh gosh, yes, that technique, that makes me feel so good. Yes, gosh, that was, I used to do that to myself too. And it just, it just pulls me back into the space of actually valuing self-inquiry, space, time, relationships, you know, all the things that support us in this world. And to add to that, I feel like really it comes down to like being authentic and the more authentic we are and who we are and what part in our journey we are, we attract the people ready for it. And that's what I always say to people when they're like, oh, but I don't have anyone around me. I'm just like really be authentic, be you, be in the journey that you're in because that authenticity is magnetic and what we're starved of. We are starved of it. And when you're authentic, people want to be a part of whatever it is that you're doing. Totally. And people catch your consciousness, you know, and, and it sounds really weirdy, but just be the light. Don't, don't tell people what to do. They don't often like to hear it unless they've come to you to, to ask for help. You just need to change tactics. And the people that are most disinterested are usually your best friends, your family, your other half, because they see you as someone else. They see you with your faults. They say, with you know, there's, I've had clients that have hung off every word I've said, and I've had family members who are like, shut up. <laughs> you know? So, yes. so yeah. And, and yeah, we, we play so many different characters all the time. And yeah, so just be as authentic. I mean, I find that I can get pulled off course really easily. You know, I am, society doesn't support meditative moments in your day, in your work schedule. It doesn't support going to bed early. It doesn't support being a brand new mum. Being a brand new mum. I mean, it, it supports less, I've realised, just, just watching all my friends who've had second kids. It supports people with second kids even less. I, I feel like everyone makes a massive fuss of you on your first child. And I notice there's this weird, oh, well, she knows what she's doing for the second one. Mm. So it, I do find myself coming out of sync with myself with my environment with the with the rhythm of of the natural world quite often because we live in very you know the opposite to biophilia is we have we live in concrete jungles and that's why we always have to hack back to whatever we can that makes us feel you know makes us understand that we are nature and we are of nature Yeah. And you mentioned right at the very beginning that the thing that you really keep coming back to and feels like from what you're saying, the kind of core of your practice and of your life and your well-being is Ayurveda. And so can you share to our listeners, maybe they've never heard of it or don't really know what it is. What is Ayurveda? And since implementing it into your life, really, how have you seen yourself, your health, your life change? Okay, so Ayurveda or Ayurveda if I could put a little bit of an accent on it and get semi-right, is the science of life. It's the wisdom of life. And this Indian philosophy for health and well-being is said to be three to 5,000 years old. It's from some sacred texts and it's tried, sacred Indian texts and it's tried and tested. I speak to a lot of people from Indian families who recognize so many practices, but don't even know that it's called Ayurveda. It's just traditional wisdom passed down through the family generation after generation it's 
the understanding that health comes from the word whole, so it's a holistic approach, has many aspects. The type I deal with is the very much the diet and the lifestyle aspects, but we're talking about, you know, surgery that also influenced our European surgery that we have today. We're talking about understanding of herbs and spices that that is also being recognized now, you know, in, in mainstream medicine, you know, and has been it's so vast, but it uh, concerns itself with a delicate balance of mind, body and spirit. And it gives me a framework to structure my day to so that I am moving with the rhythms of nature rather than against them, which gives me an easier ride in life. And by kind of lining up with those rhythms, it means that I've got a little bit more stability and flex because the rest of life is completely out of your control, you know? So we could have a, a, a crazy thunderstorm in the middle of a hot day. We could also experience an accident or have a, have a, a, a breakup with a best friend or have a bad day at work. You know, all of these things are out of our control, but having that kind of being rooted in nature just is, makes you more able to flex with all of those things that are coming at you and gives you a strength from which to create the space to give yourself a new perception to the problem and therefore solve it rather than fall apart with it. And I think that's that's been really key for me because I can get my knickers in a twist really easily. I can overthink things and I often do. And suddenly I think, oh, what would my meditation teacher say? Or, or I go back into that yoga class with that teacher that I loved, or I just, you know, I have this, you know, what would they do? Surely it can't just all be happening to me all the time. You know, other people must face this. How would they face it? You know, or how have I faced it in the past? And one of the most reassuring things that I've ever heard is when someone says, you know, can you, can you name some of the most horrendous times that have happened to you in your life? It's actually almost hard. You know, times when you thought it's all over, I'm going to lose my job or, I'm never going to recover from this, this fallout with so-and-so. And yet it does. And, you know, you're, you're here, you're surviving, you're living. So I feel like there's always a way. And so flowing like water, you find the cracks. And Ayurveda helps me to, yeah, create a kind of framework to get things done. So, for example, an example would be, so food that I came through to first. The reason I remember finding Ayurveda was I wanted to know why I sometimes could digest a three course meal and sometimes I'd eat something light and it just sat like a lump in my body. Realize it's all about that digestive fire, your agni, you know, how is your agni right now? You know, so it invites you as an individual, because it's all about personalized medicine, Ayurveda. It's all about the personalized health, not a one size fits all. How am I right now? Normally I can eat a three course lunch, but right now I haven't really digested breakfast. A little, a little bit of hot water, a little bit of burp, and you can slightly taste there's food still in your stomach. Yeah, you're not ready for your next meal. Oh, but I am in a situation where I have to eat a meal because I'm at my mother-in-law's house and she's just cooked. Ah, well, now you can go and take some lime or some salt or anything that makes your digestive juices flow and just allow yourself to pop into the kitchen, help suddenly you're immersing yourselves in the smells and actually then your body is your your the, all the body feedback you know allows your agni to go right food is coming and i'm prepared for it whereas when we just walk into i don't know a cafe and order a smoothie straight off a menu that we've had absolutely zero connection with 
You know, we didn't we didn't ha- grow that food, harvest that food, prepare that food. It's just given straight to us, and we're supposed to somehow, I suppose, we're supposed to know that it's about to have a meal. You know, that's quite a shock. So, using our senses to prepare our body for the meal and for our digestion and allowing that feedback to happen. It's awareness of your own health at any given time. And that's another thing I love about Ayurveda. It's not yes or no. It's, is it right for you right now? Because one man's poison is another man's medicine and the dose makes the medicine or the poison, you know? So we are, you know, all of us have different body types. That's recognized as well in, in, in Western science. And that those body types never change. It's your genetic makeup. And so certain things will be great for you a lot of the time. And those same things will be terrible for somebody else. For example, foods that balance me can be aggravating for other people. So that's looking at the elements and starting to understand them as the doshas. So it can get quite technical. And I have to say, when I first came across this side of Ayurveda, I just thought I'm never going to get to grips with it. It's all terminology that I don't understand. And it's it's not a clear linear approach, but over time, it's actually a way more romantic and intuitive and ever moving and involving approach. And there are so many things that you can choose to resolve anything that's not going right. For example, I've eaten a really late dinner. What should I do? So this was me on Tuesday night. I went out for dinner. It wasn't my choice to eat so late, but it was the only time that a friend could make it. And we didn't eat our meal. We didn't start down till 8.30, sit down till 8.30. Usually I've eaten my dinner by seven. So 8.30 is quite late considering I normally go to bed at 10. We finished and left each other at 11. I got home at midnight. I stayed up till one just so that I could digest that food. Whereas normally I'd be panicking. I'm not going to get enough sleep. I'm going to try and force myself to sleep. And then I would wake up in the night with my brain racing and my kind of stomach gurgling. I don't know if anyone else recognizes that. But these little bits of wisdom, I'm like, actually, I'll just stay up. Maybe I'll do a couple of yoga postures, ease out my shoulders, sit in quiet, sip some hot water. And I digested that food. And in the morning I went to the toilet regularly. You know, I was a little bit tired because I hadn't had the amount of sleep, but I could remedy that, remedy that with the meditation or thinking about meditation later in the day. So all these little kind of tips and tricks, I guess, it's a toolbox of ways that you can bring balance into your life. Yeah, and I love the way that you're talking about it because it really comes from this place of reconnecting and connecting with you and where you're at in the moment. Like you shared at the beginning there about, you know, have I got, oh, I've got a really bloated tummy or I feel a bit heavy. Why is Mm. that? And then Mm. you shared a really interesting tip that I didn't know about say if you've eaten lunch, you're about to have dinner a bit later, but you're feeling heavy and you said to have a slice of lime or a bit of lime or salt. Have yes. you got any other things like that just on the top of your... A little bit of ginger. So basically what salt, lime and ginger have in common is they've got a lot of in them. They're, they're pungent or spicy or sour. These things are very pitta when we look at them with the doshas. I don't know if we'll go into the doshas because it's so you know hard to explain <laughs> everything and it's easier visually. But, but as an understanding, these foods boost our digestive capacity. They boost our fire, our agni. And so if your fire is, is bubbling a bit low, so I just spent three days off grid in a little shepherd's hut and we have the fire right there. And, you know, it, it was really interesting actually with this fire because we were using a fire with wood, which can burn out really quickly. So you've got this huge kind of flame coming up, burning away. It looks fantastic. But 
anything you cook on it burns really quickly. So it's destroyed. The food is destroyed. You put a log on it and it burns up really quickly. So it's destroyed. So we don't want a massive digestive fire. That's like when you're constantly hungry, maybe, and you're not, you're almost like destroying the food. So you don't get the nutrition. You also don't want a really low digestive fire. So, you know, when the embers are kind of smoldering and the food never really cooks, it kind of just sits in the pan and it almost putrefies because it never gets to the state that you want to cook it we want to finish cooking it and eating it we want a nice lively digestive fire that's evenly cooked that kind of breaks down or cooks the food or breaks down in our in our stomachs in a way that we can then utilize it and turn it into nutrition for our body so that food has got to be transformed it's got to be transformed into a food that we can use and if it's not transformed it becomes this stagnated putrid metabolic waste that we sludge then sludge and we feel it in our body in our bones we feel it in the in that heaviness in that brain fog we see it in our skin maybe and not everyone sees it the same you know you can you i've met believe me many people in my life who've got radiant skin and hair but you look at their tongues or you hear about their their poop situation or they've got gut ache chronic gut ache and issues so we all have our own little ways of kind of showing it and seeing those symptoms and that's why in Ayurveda, the symptoms are, are is information. And when in Western medicine, we just try and get medicine or remedies or pharmaceuticals to rid ourselves of those symptoms, we're ridding ourselves of this feedback yes. from our body. Yeah, wisdom. 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 So our body's trying to say, hey, you know, I'm feeling like I need more sleep. I need more self-care. I need more daylight. I need more oxygen. And we're just going yeah whatever shut your mouth you know yeah to to our body talking am i rattling on where we got to so yeah so these suits so the lime the ginger and the salt is a way of waking up so i don't i just want you to imagine right now have you eaten lunch by the way i have okay so this is an interesting one because we are both quite satisfied we've eaten lunch but i want you to imagine now just peeling a piece of garlic with a little spoon that nicely removes the skin very easily And I want you to imagine the smell and the juice that's seeping out from that ginger and then taking a nice sharp knife and just cutting off a little slither, maybe three, four, five slithers. And you can smell that very distinct smell of that ginger. And then I want you to imagine it on a little dish with the juices just coming out those slices, putting a little bit of salt on there, which actually brings out even more of those lovely juices, a bit of fresh sea, a bit of sea salt. And then a squeeze of fresh lime. That zesty smell. Can you feel your your mouth watering? Right? Yes. So it's a party. It's a party in the mouth. So those three together are a fantastic way of preparing your digestion for a meal that maybe your body didn't want. Ideally, you wouldn't eat yet. (laughs) But you know, this is what's so brilliant about Ayurveda. It's got it's got an answer for everything. Yeah, it's such a good tip. And and so following on from that, because I've seen you share about your cleanse and reset quite a mm. lot on Instagram, and I'm always like one toenail away from being like, yes, <laughs> I'm so ready for this. But is that done at a specific season, time of the year? And can you share a little bit about your cleanse and reset, maybe snippet or teaser of what's involved in that, that maybe mm. we can take away without doing it? Totally. So... <laughs> This is so if you look at kind of traditions and in the in in, in cultures around the world, there was always some kind of fast or time off or simplification. So simplification of food. 
when we're unwell with a cold, you know, I see it in my daughter, she can, she can go a day or two and not really eat anything. Her body is not hungry because it's doing other jobs. So you simplify the food, right? Or we should simplify the food. When we have poor digestion, when we're up against anything that's going to take a lot of resources from our body, we want to simplify food. And by simplify, I mean, it's simple foods that are easy to digest. So well-cooked, fresh food. Fresh food has lots of prana in it. People think fresh food is raw food, but think of it as freshly prepared, real food. Changes in seasons. We don't respect this enough because we have central heating, maybe air-conditioned offices, fabulous technical wear, you know, like fleeces and waterproofs and windproofs cars and buses to travel to and from so that we don't have to be out in those elements we're almost like scared to feel the seasons Absolutely. it's like don't let me feel it don't, don't let me, me feel it, it. so we we can be eating ice cream in winter with the you know we've got a hat to cover our ears you know all these things but actually those changes in seasons quite take quite a toll on the body and it's a time that your immunity may be a bit lower and you can easily catch colds that's why you see a lot of of change of season you get see people get a bit unwell and so this is a time that traditionally you might do a simplification of food. And I've done it as between spring and summer, summer and autumn, autumn and winter. And I've also done it for the Gregorian calendar new year, which is what we follow mm. here, January the mm. 1st. So that's not the new year celebrated in many Asian cultures who see it more as, you know, to do with the moon and to do with the, the land coming back alive again, you know, about spring about to happen. I do it January 1st because most of us have overdone it with the, with the celebrations of Christmas and New Year. And so, yeah, I set it for a little weekend. And the idea is we make something called kichari or kichri or kichdi. And this is, think of it as beans and rice, which is in many, many cultures, a very sta staple dish. In Ayurveda, we've we prefer mung beans or mung dal, so that's split mung beans. The mung beans are the ones with little green jackets on. And this mung dal, dal means splits. They're yellow and, and half the size. This is this cooks really easily for 20 minutes. Sorry, it smells of farting because my dog's just farted right under my... <laughs> <laughs> that did not make my mouth water. <laughs> <laughs> Julie! She didn't even move. Oh, I love Julie. Oh, Julie's the best. Julie. I will send you a picture of what Julie, Julie's just hanging out. Oh, also, by the way, <laughs> and animals and children love it when people meditate. They're just drawn to they their do. gorgeous energy. Mm. So she's always under a chair or anything when I'm doing lovely things like talking about mm. wellness. So yeah, this, this, this lentil or this split mung bean cooks really easily, 20 to 30 minutes. We cook it with basmati rice or your choice of rice. White, which is interesting. Most people think, oh, well, nutrient value has gone from the skin. But you cook it down together and you've got a complete protein. You've got all the amino acids for a complete protein there. It's very, very easy to digest. The soupier, the better. The more something is loose and soupy, the easier it is for your body to digest. So in Indian culture, I think there's about, I don't even know, 10, 20, 30 types of rice soup and, be and bean soup or mung dal soup. You know, each of them has different properties. So, you know, Ayurveda recognizes food, not just from its physical makeup, you know, proteins, fats, I don't know, vitamins. It also recognizes its qualities. So cold milk and hot milk are two completely different foods. They have different effects on the body. Food that's freshly prepared and eaten within 
oh, 20 minutes is a completely different from that dish then going into the fridge and eating the next day. It has less prana, et cetera, et cetera, and less ability for your agni. Your agni almost needs a boost to get the, the goodness out of that. So interestingly, in comparison to the West, that's all about what's on your plate. It's how and when you eat this food. So in this cleanse and reset, I also talk you through the best times of day, what to do with these to make them seasonal to suit the, the time, what to do to tweak them to suit you and your constitution and where you're at. But these are very, very simple dishes. I mean, you literally plonk it into a pot and put it on the stove. So that takes away all this kind of thinking about what to prepare for dinner, what to eat for dinner. You've got something easy to digest for every meal. And you do this over the course of three days. I used to choose, I usually choose a Saturday, a Sunday, and I continue on into a Monday. And then you ease out slowly. So this is easy to digest food three times a day, some tea recipes, some alternatives for breakfast. And the idea is then that you just walk in nature, do some yoga videos, try some pranayama, and just empty your diary. Really just empty your diary. It's very affordable. It gives you back a lot of space. And it's a beautiful free day, free day self-care. Mm. And you're, you're speaking very passionately about seeing food almost like as medicine or part mm. of that like kind of 360 approach to our health. And that is yes. definitely a big part of that. And so has there been a specific time in your life or an example that you can speak about where you've used food as a healing modality or as part of that support? Is there like been a real example I guess it's anytime I'm burnt out, heavy periods I used to have, that time I suffer from acid reflux and constipation. My Achilles heel is I'm very vata, so I'm very active, active in the mind. I easily distracted, quite dry. I've got quite dry skin and nails. And when I'm out off balance, I get into, yes, we, I mean, we have vata, pitta, uh, kapha, the three doshas. We have them all within us, so we can all recognize that. But that's something that I have in quite a large dose. And when I am out of balance and that's aggravated, you know, I do get, you know, my poos do become a bit dry and I can see that and feel that straight away. My skin becomes dry. My, I see it in my hands and I can use ghee. I can use unctuous foods. I could use easy to digest foods to hydrate myself and put the, put that yummy unctuousness back into my body, so to speak. So yeah, f you know, eat your eat your med eat your food as your medicine you know it's all about preventative rather than remedial but ayurveda also offers so much in terms of remedies as well so work with an ayurvedic practitioner if you have any issues or questions but most of us can literally start with having a hot nourishing breakfast when we wake up our biggest meal or our most and our most complicated meals this is why i really recommend if you're going to eat out go for lunchtime in the middle of the day when the sun's at its highest because your agni is also at its highest so your agni follows the sun so that's why we go easy and light in the morning main meal at lunch and then a light early supper in the evening so we've got time to digest as our agni kind of fades down with the sun and we're nicely digested before bed Everybody can do this. Some people will suit two meals a day and I would recommend them in daylight hours and not at night. And yeah, you'll start to tune into your body. And sometimes I could eat second helpings. Other times I'm like, hmm, I'm kind of done. But if we speed along and we make everything like, got to eat this many calories, got to have this much on my plate. We just miss those cues from our body as to what we really, really need. Mm, totally. When you're speaking there, actually, my 
whole eating habits and time, even though it's only one hour difference here, Spain, Mallorca to England, yeah. my the culture of my day is so vastly different. And you're speaking there, you know, like in London, I was someone who's like up at 6 a.m. In the winter, maybe 7 a.m., mm. but I'm up at 6 a.m. And then I'm kind of in bed at, at 9 p.m. even in the summer. And I would be like you eating at 5 p.m., 6 p.m. Mm. And I was like, bloody holy about that like that was so that was that that was something that I was very passionate about I felt really good about it It made loads of sense to me I have to say though at 8 p.m you know I'm knackered I would be falling asleep on the couch whereas now it's only an hour difference it's obviously a dramatic change in temperature for the like if you look at the whole year it's like a much warmer climate and I have so much more energy Mm -hmm. like it's it's you know in some ways the heat obviously makes us like more tired but I am so much more energy we don't have a tv here so I'm never ever sit on the couch I'm in the garden until the sun's the the sun sets and the stars come up but one thing that I've noticed is I now stay up much later with ease not because Mm. I'm on I'm not watching the tv we don't even have a tv so I'm not like wasting the night not that that's wasting the night but I just am up so late like I go to bed now here probably at quarter to 12 mm-hmm. which I'm a 9 p.m girl yeah, yeah. and I am waking up at 6 30 without an alarm mm-hmm. but I am eating we eat now we, we saw a drastic change it was natural it wasn't even anything that we like tried to do it just happened we now eat at like yeah, 8 p.m. And I'm wondering, like, Jasmine, is it okay? <laughs> if you're digesting, it's fine. I mean, those those rules are really guidelines. I'm also wanting to eat later in, in right now because it's obviously height of summer and I feel completely different. When it's really hot, I mean, you know, those heat waves we've had recently, I can't even think about food. The minute that sun is behind a cloud, my body's like, Oh, hang on a minute. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, and that's why we see in European countries, there is this, this, you know, you see children out, young children out at eight, nine o'clock at night yeah. because now the body's woken up too much heat. So like increases like, and the opposite brings balance in Ayurveda. So things that we think are good for us, like daylight, like, you know, all these things that have got this idea that this is healthy and this is bad. It's not too much of anything is too much. You know, this is why in the well-being world, when people are caning the ginger juices, caning the raw food, caning anything, all of the things I mentioned earlier, like enemas, supplements, you know, too much breath work, you know, you do you, too much. Of, I remember listening to Sadhguru talking about a woman who lost the ability to speak because she was listening to the Gayatri Mantra for hours every day on the way to work for years. I can't remember the reason he gave around it, but you know, it's something to too do much with of anything. Too much yeah. of anything aggravates the system. And that is why when we have this kind of linear idea of health that the West has given us, and we and and we're just kind of at the mercy of over-the-counter or prescribed medicines, you know. Whereas with Ayurveda, we understand ourselves much better and then we understand others better. So when I, you know, now instead of lying in bed, you know, instead of waking up in the middle of the night and thinking, oh, I've got this horrible feeling about my work colleague and I feel like they're having a go at me, you know, or they said something today and it's really aggravating me or whatever. I've now got the perspective of of understanding that 
of, of compassion and actually saying, you know what, it's probably not about you. It's probably, as in me, not about me. They're going through X, Y, Z, or they, you know, they're more pitter than me. They have more of that temperament or they're more, they're more vaster than me, or they, they're more cover than me. You know, it's understanding our relationship to the environment and to others and to ourselves. And Ayurveda gives us that. So yeah, like be curious why my husband and I really into eating later. Don't diss it. Don't let the mind suddenly go, but that's not the rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right or wrong. Right or wrong. I mean, for example, I remember there's not a lot of actual chili used in Ayurveda. We say spices because we have a plethora of spices that all have different effects on the body. Some are warming, some are cooling, some are tridoshic, which means they work for everybody. There's not a lot of chili used because it's very stimulating and very heating. But then in certain parts of Asia, it is used because it helps the body to sweat and get the heat out of the body. So nothing is good or bad. It's just an interesting, it's just, a, it's just a, about awareness, cultivating that awareness. So what works for you right now in your first year of living in Mallorca might stick for another three years or somewhere along the line, you kind of tweak it and it naturally, like, you know what, this is working well. And then when it doesn't work well, you go back to the framework that you know, and then you build again from there. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you. I love that. And and so Jasmine, what are your, aside from Ayurveda, do you have like a daily spiritual practice? You're obviously, you've got a beautiful young baby, toddler, toddler, baby, to- baby, well, toddler. Apparently when they hit that year, they're a child. What? I've got a child. <laughs> I've got a child. She's a toddler and she, she's, uh, I don't know about toddler. She runs and climbs and hangs off things. Oh, and so, you know, I mean, I've got many questions here in this. Well, firstly, I wanted to ask you, let's go there then by being a mother, you know, how has your your connection to spirit or spiritual practices or your whole kind of uh, beautiful network of well-being practices that you have, how have they changed, deepened or lessened? Or, yeah, like how has that whole thing changed for you since becoming a mum? So my Vata mind wants to consume lots of information about about raising children. And there's almost not enough time in the day for it because I also work and the baby kind of takes up so much of your life. My meditation practice is shot to pieces in many ways. But then I just I allow myself to remember what meditation feels like and I instantly feel my nervous system just calm. And I'm sure looking in your baby's eyes is oh, so calming yeah. for your nervous system. That is a meditation, you know, totally. like for me, it's, it's not about having to sit at the top of a mountain to, to meditate. You know, what really is, is harnessing this amazing tool is like finding those moments within the mundane of, of that, like when you're washing the dishes or you're with your partner or, mm. oh my goodness, you look out the window and it's a blue sky or all those moments, right? Totally. Finding the gap between things to just enjoy them without any kind of judgment, just total curiosity and observation. Just being in that moment, you create that space. There's sometimes I feel like, oh, hurry up. If I can get her to go to sleep, then I can do X, Y, Z. And if I can, you know, there's there's times when I feel pulled in many directions because I can't see many things through. And that really takes its toll on my mind. You know, it's like I start something, I can't finish it. I'm left with a mess. I can't remember why I started it in the first place. On the flip side, you know, I'm really trying to cultivate consciousness of myself and my actions. They say children are your mirrors. You know, they reflect back at you. So when your child has an attitude or a phrase or something, you know, it probably came from you. 
And that's a big, like, it's not, it's not a nice thing to admit, you know, anything that you see in your child that's, that kind of winds you up, not that she's at that stage yet of answering back or doing anything, but oh, what can I say? Everything I do, she copies exactly. You know, I said to Nick the other day, do not put a cotton earbud in your ear with her in the room because she will go and do it straight away. So you have to be conscious of your actions and actually then and if you're conscious about rushing around, you'd be conscious about saying, hurry up. You'd be conscious about just eat this so we can get out of the house. You know, you suddenly realize actually that all of these things are shaping her brain and shaping everything about her. And so I am kinder to myself because I have to be that role model for her and she has to learn how to cope with her emotions, cope with situations. And so it's almost like raising yourself. I love that. And that, and you know, my question there was about like, how's your spiritual practice changed or like, oh, I'm sure you maybe don't have as much time to run to a yoga studio and do your practice like that. No. But how you're speaking in that way to me as someone who's just listening, it sounds mm. like such a deepening of your evolution and your, mm. your, your lessons and experience obedience through life yeah. because you're talking there about I have to be so much more conscious I'm really like leaning into those moments of space and really isn't that actually like a conscious spiritual life like of being connected to the to the moment and to the greater picture yeah I mean in terms of slowing down I mean we do we do gardening together it means I can maybe deadhead some roses and then the rest of the time is clearing up the mess that we've made. You know, it's, it's you get less and less done, but my goodness, probably there's greater health in that. Mm, couldn't agree more. And so when you find yourself in the midst of life's challenges, which we, we all have, what is it that keeps you in, in trust? You know, you're speaking about how this moment in your life, you've got lots going on and you feel like you're maybe never finishing anything. So how do you kind of lean into where you are in your life rather than being like victimhood or resentment? You know, like, what is that for you? Is there a practice or is it just an inner knowing? Like, what is that? <sighs> I think it's, I think it's, recognizing and validating my emotions but also taking that beat to say it's up to me the next part of my experience is up to me and I haven't you know I am aware that people have I, I don't have the issues or the problems that many people have to deal with on a daily basis but I've still had huge anger huge resentment huge frustrations depressed, depressed feelings, anxiety, I've I experienced them and they're very real in my world. And when you have nothing dire to compare them to, they can take over immensely. And I think meditation, you know, I, I learned to meditate in 2010 to with a, a teacher called Gary Gora, who's a great friend of mine now, who also has helped me immensely on this path with Ayurveda. I just, you know, he says things like meditate, meditators have time. I'm someone who really manages time not very well. I get lost in a million things. And I used to panic and I used to be worried and I used to, to be mad at myself on route to that journey. And then I used to arrive in a real fluster and that would impact the rest of the meeting. And now I'm like, <sighs> meditators have time. You know, what if 
I was really happy because this situation that's presented itself is going to lead to something else, you know? And I swear to God, Steffi, I get a message saying, I'm running late. I can't do it. I need to reschedule. I mean, that has happened more than I care to kind of like really understand why, you know, but I think those are the things that I've really noticed and that have changed with changed in my understanding of the world in the last 20 years and something of my life. And, you know, when people say things like, oh, when I got to 40, life got really good. Or when I got to 50, I think it is that life experience of all those things that I thought were going to kill me didn't. And you're just happier in your own skin. And I think Ayurveda has helped me be there now. And I'm sure that will improve or change in some other way. But yeah, I, I think it's it's up to me. I am, my energy output now is going to really dictate the next part of my experience. So what's it going to be, Jazz? You know? Yes. What's it going to be, Jazz? What's it going to be, that? Jazz? Oh, I talk to myself <laughs> a lot. What are we gonna, Jazz, how are you going to handle this one then? You know, because it makes it funny and it makes it, it makes it. Brings a lightness to it. Yeah. And it's, and it's not all about you, but it is about you. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. it just gives me a little bit of like 360 of the situation. It's a bit like, and I've used this before as an example. It's a bit like when Sarah Jessica Parker in Sex and the City kind of analyzes it from that sitting in her bedroom, typing on her thing. Suddenly it's like you're, you, you're, you're not the center of the universe. There's so many other things going on and yet you are the center of the universe. It's that yin and yang thing of it's all, it's all of everything. So yeah. you make the next move. Yeah. And just like that. And just um, like that. <laughs> and for everyone listening, before we kind of close this session, it's gone so quickly, but for everyone listening, can you share a simple practice that they can take away with them outside of the Ayurveda kind of tools around food and dietary mm. and stuff we've talked a lot about. Is there anything else? We haven't really quite got to touch on the fact that you also are a sound healer and you work with sound frequency. But for everyone who wants something that they can do at home without a guide. Mm. Well, I think my, my, my tips, and I'll do them in kind of the order that they came to my life. One is clean your tongue every morning. It's a fun... I don't do that. I really need don't to get into that. that. Right. Well, I'll send you one. I've got a tongue tingler that I sell. Oh, please do. So on my website, I have some East by West products that I swear by. One of them being a, a simple metal tool that you pull down your tongue first thing in the morning before you've before you've eaten, drank, kissed, talked, anything, before your body's reabsorbed that stuff on your tongue that your body's so diligently kicked out, you just take it off and let it pass down the sink. In doing that, you're removing anything that's impeding your taste buds. You're removing some of the metabolic waste that your body's kicked out. You are having a check-in with your tongue. So I can really see where my state of health is at. And I don't mean, oh, this ridge on your tongue means X, Y, Z, and that crack means that, like palm reading, but there is that incredible expertise too. I just mean, wow, I am mucousy today. Or wow, that was a good night's sleep. When it's a good night's sleep, there's a there's like a a lot of stuff on the tongue, and it's different oh. to the stuff on your tongue when you're sick, or the stuff on your tongue when you've been drinking alcohol, or the stuff on your tongue when you haven't been digesting easy. You just start to get to know it. I don't need to tell you what it is. You just start to get to know your body, and you do it every morning. So imagine that's that little check in, and it takes four seconds. So start cleaning your tongue. Another one is that I would say is. Well, let's go to the sound. So sound bars have been incredible for me. And that's why I 
fell in love with them and do them and share them like I'm sure yoga has been for you, Steffi. So you can get digital downloadable sound baths which, from my website, which I never thought could could work. I always thought you had to be in the room with the person, but lockdown proved differently and they've been extremely popular. And people have said they've been able to sleep, they've been able to heal, they've been able to find space and connect with themselves just by using the, the power of sound as a mantra, as a vehicle for your mind, which likes to do things, to follow. Meanwhile, mm. giving you a bit more space, a bit more time and allowing the mm. nervous system to move into parasympathetic mode, et cetera, et cetera. So downloadable soundbars, have stuff ready on your phone for you to go to when you have a 10 minutes gap that you have to rebalance in. Lying down flat is amazing for me. I find that works incredibly well. It's free. Only thing is you need a flat surface. that's not a road in the middle of a street, but that one works well for me. The other one is humming before bed. And I think this, this really helped improve my breathing. Humming. Humming. So. Now, if you'd listened to my earlier podcasts and interviews, I would have gone, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but over time, that's really developed. And yeah. I, I love it in a yoga class, but you can make sure you can do it every, and I hum in, on the out breath. Sometimes I put my hands on my face and do, is it bumblebee or, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and like feel that vibration, which helps me feel the front of my face rather than all the thoughts that are going on side in my head. But also I just find, gosh, I go really deep into parasympathetic mode. And also I it, it becomes such a rhythm. I almost can't stop humming and then I'm fall asleep. So that's a really lovely tool for me. Really, really, really works. And don't let it put you off in the beginning how craggy or cracky it is. Just keep going and it will come. And I find also yeah. it's very nice for things like this before I speak. You know, I, it helps me to ground myself and you can hear it in my voice. My voice is quite deep. But if you listen to other things I've done in the past where I haven't quite got there yet, I'm, it kind of breaks like a, like goes all over the place. And then talking about sensation and being in your body, you know, I also have cancer ones on my website, East Bowers cancer ones. Doing that face massage with oil before bed is kind of 50% beauty, 50% self-care. Painful. <laughs> You realize your cheekbones are, are held up by knots, you know, and that your jaw has taken on a whole new shape because of just the, just the tensions that just hot here. These are my tension points all here. And at the moment I still breastfeed and I, and I co-sleep. So I kind of end up breastfeeding and doing that. And mm. oh, it starts to, at the first it's horrible. I and mean, you hear all these crunchy bits all around your jaw and your your lips and your here. I find in my forehead, it goes kind of goes crunch, 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 crunch. Must be all those tiny little knots on the head. And then within a few minutes, they've all eased out. And then when I stop, all I can just feel this sensation of the blood and the prana just on my face. And I'm like, what problems? You know, oh. can't see them, can't feel them. I mean, no one can see what I'm doing right now, but it just feels like <laughs> raindrops on the face. You know, it's it just takes you out of your head and into your senses. Yes. And then from there, you can go within, you know, so yeah. it brings you from this crazy world that you're creating in your head back to the body. And from there you can go within. So it's also a really nice tool before meditation. 
Oh, thank you for that. I want. I was wondering just quickly before we mm. go, what about oil pooling? Because I, mm. I, 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 I did some oil pooling and I just haven't found a way to integrate it into my everyday. Why okay. am I doing that? Am I doing that before, the, after, after the tongue? Tongue first, tongue cleaning first, then brush your teeth, then oil pull using a cured sesame oil if you can. And it can be plain or it can be cured with herbs. So sometimes you'll get them specially made. There's a, a website called earthandliving.com or .co.uk and they sell a gorgeous Ayurvedic blend. It's quite an unusual taste. In fact, I could never brush my teeth with menthol toothpaste ever again. It's just so harsh. But this is a gorgeous, gorgeous herbal taste. And it actually feeds and nourishes your mouth, your gums and your teeth. So it's very good, especially if you've got cavities and any health issues in your mouth. And remember, our mouth is directly connected, the, the, the biome of our mouth is directly connected to the biome of our stomach. So you then pull, 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 so you're dragging it around. You're also exercising your face, which is really good for, from a beauty perspective, but also from a health perspective, removing tension. And then you spit into paper and into the bin or you use the toilet. Some people say oh, it can block your pipes, but if there's any issue with the toilet, I've used it for, done it for years and years and years in the same house. Not down the sink because it can clog the pipework. And I do it in the shower or while pottering around and making tea and doing my bits for the day. You know, go downstairs, opening up the curtains, putting the kettle on, pulling out your outfit for a day or, yeah, in the shower. At first, it's really hard to do more than a minute or two because lots of saliva comes up, etc. But after a while, you can get do it up for up to 10 to 20 minutes. The most important thing to remember, though, is while you're just walking around doing stuff is you might forget to actually pull it and you're just sitting it, you know, with it in your mouth. So remember that's that's what you're doing. So if you're if you're not very good at multitasking, then it might be a case of focus on the one thing. Yes, but incredibly good for the for the for your health. Oh, Jasmine, thank you. Thanks so much for sharing just such a wealth of knowledge oh. and inspiration. And I know that we're all going to go away now and get our tongue pullers and yeah. oil pool. And I'm really grateful. So let our listeners know where they can connect with you and find out more about you. So I put most of my content on my website, which I feed out via newsletters as well. So that's jasminehemsley.com. If you sign up there, you'll get access to my cleanse and reset course and lots of inf and lots of links to that to further your practice with that for every season. You'll also get a monthly or a bi-monthly newsletter. And then on Instagram, I also post a lot of things from everything from like my day-to-day -day life, which by the way, is an urban girl who is juggling that pull to a more sattvic way of life, but also loves the, you know, the lure of, of London and all the things that that comes with, you know, and it's amazing just, wardrobe, amazing, amazing wardrobe. wardrobe. Yes. That's very much kind of vintage or sustainably focused. So I'm very into things that we can do for the earth, for the planet, for other people that also makes us feel better as well. And so have a look on Instagram for things like that and follow me there. And then on the website, you can also get tongue tinglers, a neem comb for stimulating mama points on the hair and another lovely way to wind down. Like I'm doing it with my fingers now. And then the cans of wand as well and downloadable sound baths. So I've got one there for focus, energizing, sleep, rest, relaxation, etc. Oh, it's just a hub of all the good things. So go yeah. check that out, guys. And thank you once more, Jasmine, for being thank here. Thank you, Steffi. Thank you. Lovely to see your face again and hear your voice. And uh, wishing you all the love and luck in Mallorca. And I hope to come visit you one day. Oh, thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners. This was the Alchemy of Life podcast. And we will see you next week. Mm.